All right, guys, welcome to this uh, off-the-cuff episode here. Uh, I've been doing a lot of podcasts in the last three months, but normally I'm the one being interviewed. But today, I have a very special guest, someone I'm very excited to talk to. His name's Nick Cosman. And there's a reason that, uh, you know, I'm the one asking questions today. And it's because I'm just, I've just been really fascinated by what Nick has been talking about. I think he's one of the few people today, especially in the online making money space. Um, but I, that's, that's too narrow a term to describe what Nick's doing just in business in general. I really think that what Nick is talking about, um, on his channels is, extremely innovative. And so I have Nick on today. Um, Nick is in Canada right now, and we're going to dive into a, a variety of topics, but mainly focus on what he has coined uh, the term growth consulting and how that could potentially help your business make a lot more money and how if you're looking for an opportunity, a vehicle to make a ton of money, how you could potentially learn from Nick and, uh, and, and start making a lot of money yourself. So, Nick, welcome, dude. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thanks for having me. So, you have made a lot of money doing this this thing called growth consulting, um, and now you're showing other people how to do this. You also, I mean, you you not only are you showing people how to do this, but you're getting crazy results. This isn't some like make 10k a month, you know, uh, as a sales rep or make you know make some money drop shipping here and there with like terrible margins. Like you're showing people how to make serious profit and in a way that's seriously transforming businesses. Um, so much that you guarantee people a hundred thousand dollars in three months if they're starting to work with you. And some of your students, if you look at some of the people you've worked with are making upwards of $500,000 a month or more. And a lot of that is take home. This is not like, you know, you're selling some some tongue scrapers on Shopify and, and you have like terrible margins. Like this is, this is real money and real profit. And before I get into asking, asking you a bunch of questions about growth consulting, I just want to say like how I found you because, um, I'm super into, I'm, I'm super into, you know, I, I teach guys, uh, essentially social skills, uh, a bit of dating mixed in there, networking and communication, and using Instagram as a tool for leverage to to make friends and to meet people online. And I don't know precisely how you popped up on my Instagram, but all of a sudden I was following you, and I saw your Instagram page, and like the way that you were marketing and or branding yourself was so strange. And and I mean that in the best way possible because so many guys nowadays are focused on making their Instagram look very aesthetic, and yours was like the complete opposite. It was like, it, it was like close up selfies and like super hard to understand. Like you almost had like mathematical equations on your Instagram and like long VSLs. And I was just like, why am I so drawn to this? So I, I found you through that, and then I just kept following your journey, and I was like, holy shit, this guy's saying some really profound stuff. Um, so we can get into that a little bit later. Um, but there's, I've, I've, we have some mutual friends. There's a guy named Dan Voss, who's a, also a Canadian entrepreneur, very successful entrepreneur at that. And he describes you, he, he, Dan describes you as a very eccentric guy with too many funny stories to tell. 
So I want to start off, Nick, by asking you, what's the nicest penty you've lived in? Nicest penty? And I was told to say the word penty. Yeah, the penties. I've been in a, a few. Uh, yeah, the nicest one, I don't know, one downtown Toronto. I got out of the penties, though. They're too hard to clean. I, I had, uh, like, you have to hire people to manage them and all of that stuff. So recently I got out of them and I'm in the woods. Like I'm in the, I'm out of the city, getting connected to nature. I don't want staff. Like, cause you don't know where the staff have been or what they're bringing into the house. Like, you know, so I'm, I'm just kind of like, simplify. I'm into like the climate change stuff, like super efficient houses, like air sealed. So it's a little bit, different i used to be into the penties a lot though um nicest one your standard one downtown yeah yeah i fully agree with that um especially if you're doing a lot of like stuff online i think living in nature is such an edge because you kind of draw from the energy around you into your work and people aren't used to that um and it it resonates better than than people who are locked up in a dubai penthouse and not necessarily but um but there's a there's an important effect especially for very creative minded people like yourself and i would i would put myself there i i understand so um just to kind of and we're gonna we're gonna dive into a lot of heavy business stuff but i want to just you know break the ice with our our audience here one of the first things you and i talked about was dating and um you you've you have a very interesting perspective on it and i'm curious what your thoughts are dating as a super successful entrepreneur and or beginning entrepreneur who's looking to be successful i'm talking about like the young man who's watching this who's maybe 20 25 28 who is grinding on himself has seen all this red pill space stuff and maybe Andrew Tate stuff and is thinking like, oh, I shouldn't get a girl till I'm 35. You know, I should just date around a lot. What is your perspective on on dating? Yeah, that's a good question. So I've had girlfriends throughout the whole journey, pretty much. Um, One thing I've noticed is I'm more productive if I'm in a relationship. So mm-hmm. just because your brain's not spending all the time thinking about getting a girlfriend or partner, right? So some of my best work has been done um, in a relationship just because it's consistent environment. That being said, you you need a, I've been in good relationships. I've been in not so good relationships. So I think it really depends on the person that you're with. Like if in the context of just making a lot of money or being successful in business, I think it comes down to the right person. So I've dated I've dated some girls where um I just I just shot up like it was this the chemistry and just how you feel you're motivated and you just do really good work. And then on the other hand but because in dating it's usually what 2 to 3 months to get to know somebody um on the other hand I've been in sort of these testing relationships like dating where it's been it's gone the other direction where things are not as uh, productive it doesn't feel 
doesn't feel as right. So yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of like going out to the the club and like I, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with the red pill stuff. I've heard about it. I know Andrew Tate stuff. I'm not uh, a big fan of just aimlessly going out and doing that. I'm kind of my more purpose, like results driven. Right. So um, I think when I was younger, I did that. Like when I was 18 or 19. Yeah. But uh, really just looking for the right person. I think that's, that's the, the, that's what I've always tried to do, at least in my dating strategy. I think a lot of young men, you've done some, you've dated some women that a lot of young men would look look to, and feel like, wow, I wish I was Nick Cosman, in the sense that, like, it, it at least from what we've talked about and what um what Dan told me, you've dated like some very elegant and very sophisticated and women from very wealthy families. What have you particularly learned? dating like uh high profile women um what have i learned for me it's just like the st- the standards are higher i like think i like that i've always had pretty high standards for myself so um yeah the standards are higher cuz they're comparing you to their their father basically right if they're if their dad's a billionaire you know you you've got some big shoes to fill yeah, I didn't always do that. I kind of, my, one relationship that I had, I usually don't talk about dating too much, by the way, but um, yeah, one relationship I had, I was like too poor to date the the girl. So what does that mean? Like I was literally too poor. I was like, uh, I, I was 22. Like I did sales early on in my career. I knew that I was going to like at least... I wasn't going to be a homeless guy and cause I had some success door to door. I was making good money for my age, kind of like before the internet marketing stuff came around. Uh, I was a good door to door sales guy. I was also in a good program at a good school. So it's like I had, at least I had a couple things going for me. Um, but I started dating this, this, uh, this one, um, lady and, um, yeah, it was, it's kind of weird. She was from like a private school background and it's kind of cat. It's kind of catty where there's like the private, the boys schools and the girls schools and the boys were like trying to mess things up and, um, created all this, this they created a situation where I had to like prove myself, like how had to show how much money I was making. Um, you had to show her or her family or family. Yeah. And, uh, and this was before I really understood how important that stuff was because I was still relatively young and, um, yeah, so I didn't really come up, uh, I wasn't up to snuff. And so this was before I I really had a lot of success with my businesses. Maybe that was a drag. You never know. Right. So, well, this is a good transition here because I'm sure there's a lot of guys listening to, I mean, ultimately at the end of the day, I don't know if this is necessarily the truth, but. I've heard some guys say like, you know, uh, everything we do at the end of the day is, is for a mating strategy and, and with making money, I think that you're one of the the people out here right now who's teaching stuff at a level that's really able to make people experience these quantum leaps in income. And 
before we start getting into the the we've already um these these dating questions are pretty intentional because i think there's a specific type of character that's going to be interested in that kind of question that i think is also probably interested in in uh in, in getting to know you more and what you can teach about business and so who who would you say before we continue and get more heavily into like the uh, into what growth consulting is and who it's for tell me who do you think it's for it's for somebody who wants to make a lot of money um like that was that was my archetype because i was looking when i first started i was a door-to-door sales guy I did engineering at school and I was, um, I knew that I was, I wanted to make a lot of money. So I was looking for a vehicle. I could have went and worked at some engineering thing. I may have been able to get a job like interning at a bank or something like that. Um, but I was looking for a path to make a lot. And I came across the digital, the online, mar- like digital marketing, make money online type of uh, vehicle. And, um, I applied the, the, the aggressive sales stuff to the digital marketing stuff and that worked really well. So I guess it's for, for someone who really is, is motivated, uh, to make a ton, like get into the millions. Um, yeah, some guys are just wired like that, you know, Mm. it's, it's, it's not really, it's for like those high achiever type of personalities, those those guys make the best uh, growth consultants. Yeah. Yeah, and could you share a little bit more about how you came into this space and your background and and credibility and like obviously you're teaching this now, but you did it yourself with many companies. So what was the arc from as you're explaining applying you know what you learned in sales to internet marketing? Could you just elaborate more on that so people get a sense of the the background and the amount of work you've put in here. Yeah, sure. So like I said, I was at uh, university and I had student loans. So uh, I needed a way to pay them off. So between third and fourth year, I got a job selling door to door. It was um, selling lawn aerations and driveway ceiling. So I would knock on the doors and actually do the job right away. So it was like a mini business, like a microcosm type of business. And I was really good at that. I became the top sales guy or whatever you want to call them, workers in the company in a month. And I was mentored by the owner who was a multimillionaire in his 30s, which in Canada, it's a little less common than the States because for some reason um, it is. So I, I got some confidence there and I was able to pay off my loans, make some capital and develop. Like it wasn't just selling, it was like Navy SEAL camp sales because we would go, it was six, seven days a week. They would load us in a van and then we would be dropped off for 12 to 14 hours a day. And we were just expected to go make stuff happen. And so in the, like go to different towns. So there was no, you couldn't go home. You were kind of trapped there. And it was, it was crazy competitive. Like it was, um, it was awesome. And uh, he ran it like a sports organization. So that there are different players, there are different teams. And in that environment, like you get really, really good at sales. And door to door, it's like you have 200 times a day to practice. So I got really good at sales. And I got confidence in door to door sales. 
So then I, the next summer I did, instead of selling a lawn aerations, I was looking for an offer to sell for myself, which was auto detailing. So I did door to door. I knew how to do that channel. I figured out how to do auto detailing in the driveway for like an hour and a half, $200, figure out how to get a really good job done. That business did pretty well. And that was like the, the first successful business. Then when I graduated, I wanted to sell something with high margins, like software, something where you didn't have to do the service because it was the same amount of work selling. Like for me, I always thought that sales was sales. And if you could sell one thing, you could likely sell another thing if you understood it. So I was looking for something high margin to sell, learned about software, started building my own software stuff. And I realized as I was doing it, I was like, I need to learn from somebody who's already done this. And so I contacted one of the top entrepreneurs in Toronto at the time. His name is Derek. He just sold his company. He was like 28 years old. I messaged him. He went to the same school as me. And I was like, hey, man, um, I went to I went to this school. I'm a good salesman. Do you need any help? He's like, yeah, come by for a coffee. I ended up working a week for him for free. I went door to door to balls because he was building this app. And uh, I just, I ran door to door and signed up people for this app. And that was like useful to him. It impressed the board. They gave me a contract to build out a sales team and, and basically onboard all these people for this app. And uh, I helped him find product market fit. So I learned about the financing stuff. I learned about the product market fit stuff, which is like doing product development. And uh, then I got a referral to another company called Advisor Stream. They had a product that was working already and they needed help scaling up their SaaS business. Like the, that uh, SaaS is like a software business. So I uh, learned digital marketing. I ran an inside sales team and this was in 2016. So the, the ads and the inside sales, it wasn't like as common as it is now. So I, I kind of had to figure that out. I was like, holy, sh I was used to prospecting door to door. And I could just press a button and get people into the funnel. It was like magic. Yeah, this is like Ty Lopez hopping on the scene and yeah, gotcha. Yeah. And uh, so in, especially in the B2B world, like that was really uncommon because it was mostly like trade shows. This is the channels that they were using, trade shows. They would do direct call teams, but they weren't using online ads effectively. So I scaled up that business using online ads and a sales team. It worked really well, made them a lot of money. Then I got another referral to uh, another fintech SaaS company. Um, then I ran them up to a million in 10 months. And with those two case studies, it was like, that was fairly unique. And I knew it was unique because like, they, were, they were loving it. Then I turned it into a consulting offer. And the, the promise was zero to a million in 12 months SaaS. And I started marketing that myself. So I ran my own ads. I started doing my own outbound prospecting. And I sold 2,000 companies with that. And that was mostly software companies. A lot of them were like Silicon Valley guys. Because um, the, the, the Silicon Valley guys are tech guys. They had tons of funding, but they didn't have that um, the sales and marketing stuff down. So... In Canada, you don't have the tech and the capital, but you have like the language and this, like for some reason, the Canadians are are good at that stuff. So um, 
yeah, there was a fit there that that did really well. I did 20 million in sales for that. And I grew a pretty big sales team, created a lot of value. And uh, yeah, that was in 20, that, that was, the peak of it was in 2020. I ramped it up to about 1.2 million a month. And um, yeah, and then a lot of competitors started coming in and and uh, and and the the offer wasn't as unique as it, as it was in the beginning. Yeah. Can I ask you about that time period? Because I, that's one of the things I initially clicked on um, your website and I was looking at all those 2000 companies you worked with. So you sold 2000 SaaS companies on your service. How did you, how, how do you like, did you just have a system in place to fulfill it? What, like how, how are you fulfilling? So, so are you, were you the growth consultant for 2000 companies? Yeah. Wow. So what does that look like? Were you just like basically back in Navy SEAL boot camp, but your own boot camp for for growth consulting, and you just worked? Good. Tell us more about that time period. Okay, so I learned door to door. It was just about selling and doing, selling and doing, right? And um, so that, that's what I did. Like I came across Sam Ovens. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a- yeah, I, I love Sam Ovens. Yeah. So I bought Sam's program because I saw this guy. He was like, I think I saw him through Ty Lopez and the webinar was done really well. And he said he ramped up a consulting business to $20 million. And I was like, how the hell did you do that? Like, there's obviously something this guy knows that I don't. And so I, I started working with Sam and Sam, he unlocked the 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 back end for me. Like his whole thing was like put them in a group and do an online program. That model didn't really work for me. So I I used like a hybrid where I made some content, but I was also working one-on-one with the client to help them through certain steps. So I had to make a set of steps that got them product market fit and got their sales working try to give them the autonomy and teach them how to do it. But I still had to jump in and help them. And so I was able to create a lot of value through that hybrid method. Because some of these guys, they didn't want to be in a group. They didn't want to do online programs because they're, they're business owners. They raised like a bunch of money. When they're successful guys, they don't want to share secrets with everybody else. So they needed that one-on-one. So um, yeah, it was, it was essentially... This, the process that I used at those first two case studies, I uh, I wrote the steps down and then I helped them through it using video and then feedback uh, with chat and one-on-one calls. So what what a day in the life looked like was I was prospecting, doing outbound and running ads. And then I would take sales calls all day. And then uh, what once I filled up the, uh, like I, I could work with maybe 40 or 50 clients at a time. And once I had enough clients, I would be on one-on-one calls all day and writing content and creating content to help because I would be repeating myself over the one-on-one calls. So I would just create a video or a document that I would give them so I didn't have to repeat myself. So then I just did that over and over again. And eventually the protocol got pretty robust and it, uh, it, it, it worked. Yeah. 
And I essentially did that until I got COVID in 2020. Like uh, mm. that, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And I, same with a, a, a lot of people I've, I've been talking to. But uh, I got it. yeah, so I was just, I was just, you got it too, right? So yeah. I was working all day, every day, just selling, doing calls, creating a lot of value, momentum. The customers were doing great. And um, yeah, and then I uh, yeah, had to slow it down a little bit because uh, because of that, yeah. Did you get, what'd you get, Delta variant or? I don't know. I think I got the first one. Really? I got Delta. It sucked. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, so can you elaborate on, uh, so you did this, you're working like crazy hours with these companies, helping them find product market fit and building their sales. And how, like, when did you kind of have the epiphany that what you were doing was a pretty nuanced thing that not like what, when did, when were you like, this is what growth consulting is. And this is a new position in the, in the org chart, because I think that's one of the things I've, I've been inspired the most by you is how you, you, you see this role as like, a as something that correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it's like, I guess it's, it's just because of all the new technology, but it's a different role than, than that, that has ever existed in business. How did you kind of come to that conclusion? And what were the epiphanies you had about this, the way that org charts are structured and companies are structured and how this, this new position came to be? Yeah. So one of the hardest, I talked to a lot of these founders who were pretty good at raising money and they had a decent idea and they were pretty good at tech. But they struggled a ton with the acquisition, so the sales and marketing, and because you, you kind of nailed it, the the platforms change, the tech changes, the way to get distribution is changing so fast that it's someone's required to solve the marketing hack. In every business, there's like a product hack or tech hack and a marketing hack or a marketing wedge. So you need those two things to be really sharp. You got a really good edge over here and you need a really good edge over here. Um, the, for example, the edge that I found for the SaaS companies was paid advertising and inside sales. The platforms were relatively new. They were onboarding new users. Advertising was relatively cheap compared to the, the, the price of the product. So there was like a really good opportunity to exploit that channel. And so I, I, those are the, it was a marketing channel uh, and sales channel hack that I, that I came up with. And then I sold it to a bunch of people. So today there's new platforms, there's new features within those platforms and somebody in the business is required to figure out what the best platform is and what the best hack is. So another example of this was, um, like Sam Ovens, he did an affiliate hack with Ty Lopez. That was like, that's what blew him. That That's what blew his business up. Ty had a huge list of buyers from 67 Steps and he didn't have a, um, like a make- Legendary program. Yeah, that thing slapped, right? Um, so yeah, Sam came up with that, that uh, marketing hack. Um, yeah, so that that's what's required for these businesses. So if if you can find a this is what a growth consultant does, 
They pair with a business, preferably in an emerging market. So I was working with startups. These guys were pretty bright and they, they saw an opportunity. And uh, I solved that distribution hack for that. And so there's if, th- if you think about it, there's infinite ways to solve it. And there's always going to be a new marketing tech. There's always going to be a... Uh, a new message or a new channel that people can use. And the half-life on these things is about two to three years. So, because then everybody starts using the channel and it's not as effective anymore. So And technology changes. And the technology changes, yeah. So you can solve that distribution hack quickly and it's really effective. Then you can, then you can sell it to, uh, to lots of people. Sam Ovens did this with, I think he, he just started with plumbers. It was Google ads. It was like a Google ads trick for hot water heater pumps or something like that. Mm-hmm. So he sold that and then he sold that solution to all these other plumbers. Yeah. One thing that I was kind of, um, my, I was just, I think mind fucked is the right word by what I saw on what you were doing was like you use these equations sometimes and i think from what you're you're explaining here like you said you know there's like the distribution hack there's product market fit there's these these this language this very specific language that you're using and then you apply these mathematical equations to business where did where did those math equations come from and then the follow-up question is, how do you explain those in uh, layman's terms? Yeah, so I, I initially started selling to the tech founders, right? The, the Stanford guys and the IIT and the Harvard guys. And they needed like, I studied uh, engineering physics at school. So it was like, that, that was engineer talk, right? And I was selling to a lot of engineers. So that was something that they could understand. You, you, you make variables for it because like they don't like the hand wavy sales stuff, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. just more calls. They're like, yeah, okay, but like they they don't get that. They don't get the yeah. they don't resonate with our own stuff, right? So uh, yeah, I needed like a a really clear way to show them like this is what these are all the pieces that need to line up. So essentially, making different variables. And then the relationships between those variables. So, and they found that super useful. I wrote a paper called Solving for Product Market Fit, and that went viral to all of the startup founders. So it was like a it was a way to communicate to these guys. Yeah. And so what what that what the product market fit stuff is, like those the uh the variable, what you're describing, I think, is essentially there's a few things that need to line up to make a business work. You need to have your market who you're targeting. You need a promise or a claim that that attracts, like it just pierces through the market. Um, you need a price, okay? So the pr- you need to be promising something and, and there needs to be demand for it and, and you, you can measure that with a price. Then you need to, a, a mechanism to solve it, to deliver that benefit. So you need a product or service and then you need a channel to to distribute the, your message and your and your offer. 
So if you line up all those things, you can make, you make a business work. So a lot of people had the product, like in my, in my consulting case, a lot of the founders had a product, but they didn't have the market. They didn't have a niche or a, a market segment that they were going after. And they didn't have a promise and they didn't, they weren't sure about pricing or they're underpricing it. And so as I worked with all these customers, I, I found there's a, like a relationship between them. It's like, you have to start with the market first and then the promise, then the price to validate the, that there's demand and then you, the, the mechanism and then the access channel. And so just simply reordering things for these guys was like crazy beneficial, which to to a guy that just bootstraps his business out of like a lawnmower business, it's kind of obvious, right? But to to these guys that have they're so focused on the tech side, it what it wasn't as obvious. Yeah. Their focus is imbalanced based on you know, I, I guess in your case it was they were imbalanced, they were too focused on the tech. And then in other industries they might be too focused on the marketing. And so your equation and the way that you help people, not necessarily the equation, but just the principles behind the equation, help people achieve like this perfect order in order to create a successful business that actually reaches people and actually creates profit for the company. I think it's so cool. I, I wish I, I was, I wish I could like apply that because I think, and what you're talking about, tell me if I'm I'm on the right track here, but it's like, I'm sure you know Alex Ramosi. He has his very basic, very simple like value equation, right? Which is like, I'm sure you're familiar with that, but it's like, it's something along the lines of like, you know, um, it's like time it takes to get the result, believability, it's factoring in purchasing power, and then one other factor I forget. But the problem with that equation is it's like, it's it's like too overly simple to me to that like there's there's something not quite complicated enough about that one. Whereas what you have, it seems like you can really get hyper specific with with the numbers and the, and the order in which you're helping people fill it out. It's obviously working for your clients and it's worked for you. So. Um, I don't know. I just think it's really impressive and it, it it makes me so curious as well. That's if anything, you're just a genius marketer because you like even if you didn't get good results, but you you have this ability to it's honest, but it's like you talk about these things at such a high level that people are like, "Wait. The fuck is he talking about?" Like what is what is this equation? Like that was at least my initial reaction. Yeah, well, original originally it was it was part of the the service. It was part of the consulting service. It wasn't right. even mar- it wasn't marketing. It was like, okay, I actually got to solve this for these founders. Yeah. So it was, a, it was kind of, a, it took some time to really solve it. And I did a lot of reps just solving it for them. And so then that, that paper wasn't even supposed to be marketing. But I was like, screw it, let's try it. And I, uh, I put it out for marketing and it was, it was unique, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, extremely. So you put this up on your story yesterday. Um, You say, GCs, the best ones never started helping creators with content or helping marketers scale. They helped businesses in obscure niches first, where there is no competition. So 
my first question is, what is wrong with working with internet marketers in general as a GC? The problem is, is that everyone's working with internet marketers because that's all they see, right? So it's so competitive. And the in order to get results as a GC or with a, a consulting offer in general, you need an outstanding case study. And, it's, and it has to be super unique. So let's say you work with an internet marketer and you get the results, great. But so did a million other people. So you can't actually scale that as a, as a, um, as a consulting offer in the future because it's going to be, yeah, you and everybody else got similar results unless you have like a, a, a 10x difference, right? Like zero. And you're the only one that helps them as the consultant. You're the only one that can, yeah. So in, in general, like you want to play in a, in a market where there's no competitors. Now it's going to be smaller, but there's no competitor. So when you do get the amazing case study, then it's unique and you can go and act, you can actually, uh, you can, you act, your marketing will get resonance. So for example, for me, I started in FinTech SaaS with some fu fundraising, like they had a million dollars in fund funding. Okay. And so I just needed to kill it with a few case studies. And I was like the only guy doing zero to a million SaaS funded in 12 months. And so it was very easy for me to just blanket the market with the, with the marketing. And there's a good period where I was the only guy doing it. So it was because I started in such a, in such a narrow niche. There's, there wasn't, there was probably five or six companies in Toronto at that stage. And then a few more in Canada, Vancouver. And then I went over to the States and then there was a lot more and then Europe and you know what I mean? So to a guy that it's not a massive market, but it's a really valuable market. So another uh, another good example is I got a I have a client, and it's too late to do this now because this guy got his case study a couple of years ago, post COVID case study, which is something we can talk about. He got it uh, in a gut cleanse. Okay, his name's Eric, and um, he started working with a company selling bone broth, and he figured out a way to sell the bone broth in a cleanse package. So we had to re reposition the bone broth. So it's a, it's a cleanse thing, right? He was, and he crushed, uh, crushed it with that bone broth company. Unique post COVID, one of the first guys to do it. Now he's scaling up his GC business, scalingwellness.co, and he's like crushing. So he spent two years getting the case study and now he's working with a bunch of these wellness companies, right? So it's, he didn't start at the internet marketing uh, niche. He started in in a in a uh, in a business like a startup that was. It wasn't completely obvious if it was going to be successful or not, right? But he 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 solved the problem, which is what I did early on too. So that for that reason of just competition, you you don't want to be working with the internet marketers. There's a time and a place for the internet marketers. You actually have to be really really good to. Um, to do the internet marketing, it, it, it's the next phase after that. So for example, I started with the SaaS, I scaled that up. And then when, when 2020 hit, this is uh, when the lockdowns happened, I uh, needed a remote sales team. Okay. So I, I uh, made my, my 
a remote sales team and I, I hired people and they actually paid me to join and I trained them. So it was like a really unique model where I got paid to recruit and then they would go sell my, my service for commission only. And it was just crazy profitable. And so that was a mechanism that I could sell to internet marketers. So it's, I call it a remote sales team, did marketing for that, and then did 13 million in sales for, um, for remote sales team. But the, it wasn't, I didn't start there. It was, I started in a smaller niche and then I developed some marketing hack that was really useful to the internet marketers. Because in order to impress internet marketers, you gotta, you gotta have something really good. Yeah, because the internet marketer world, it's like a jerk circle of like masterminds and 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 they're also so open to to trying stuff that they've as we said before, they've tried almost everything. So it makes perfect sense that like even if you did get amazing results for an internet marketer, they've been in 13 other masterminds and they have five other coaches. So it's like, can you really attribute what you did to help them to you? <laughs> and they, they probably want to take credit themselves even. Um, yeah, it's, that's very observant and, and profound. Um, so I, I think it also is like, you said too, it's, it's a bit uncertain when you find some of these niches. Um, and there's so few, there's likely to be much fewer of the, of the people and, and actual companies at the stage that are capable of working with you at the stage. So when you were starting in that like FinTech SaaS space, how did you, so you, you you had a pretty specific target. You said like companies that have raised over a million dollars. How did you figure out how to position your pricing and your offer to them? And then how, like walk us through how you were able to just figure that process out so that, and, and how did you do the research to figure out how many were in this niche that you could work with? It's kind of a, a sorry. That was a, that was a bit of a, a vague, overarching question, but I, I just wanted to talk more about that that period. So, as as far as the pricing, it was it was a no brainer offer because the first case study I made the guy like eight million dollars, like because the company was it wasn't going anywhere, like it, yeah. it was just money. And so when I went in there to and it wasn't, I just helped. I like took over the whole thing. It was like, I was in charge of uh, marketing, the sales. I helped develop the product features. Like there was a, there was a lot involved and I was there the whole time. Like the CEO was, was, I had meetings with fundraising and all of that stuff. So I, I, it was a direct, you, uh, uh, like were you on the cap table or did he just pay you cash for consulting? And they just came. It was a good structure. It was a revenue share deal because I didn't, yeah, I didn't want the um, the the equity in the company, uh, just because it was too complex. Like you can do funny things with equity, and like it just gets if you don't have any money to defend yourself if you ever needed to, it's just you're kind of out of luck, right? So 
for me, I wanted to keep it simple and just have a revenue share deal. And the incentives were really good because I was incentivized for scaling revenue for as little cost as possible, right? Which is good for the business. It was good for me to learn all the skills. Um, so I created a lot of value for this guy. And so much so that it, there was like no, there was no question about the value that I created. So, and so that was a good testimonial. That was a good case study because people would hit him up and be, and he would be like, yeah, it actually was really good. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I only charged like 15000 to $25,000 for the service. So for fifteen grand, you could make $8 million, like potentially, or you could right. save your business. You save your reputation. So, because a, a lot of these these founders were months away from like being in trouble with their with their investors. So, it was a real it was a pretty unique th- uh, problem that I solved. Yeah. So, as far as figuring out the pricing, it was just sales call after sales call. Take five to six sales calls a day, and I started at like five grand because that's what the internet marketers were saying. They're like, "Hey, yeah, charge five grand." And uh, I've had people say, this is way too little for that. So eventually settled on the $15,000 price. And then how did I know how many, your second question, how many uh, how many people did I know who were in market? One was like LinkedIn. You could kind of see how many people were in market for that specific segment. And then another thing was just the Facebook ads. You'd be surprised how many people are just were working on. And this is something I learned from Sam. Um, because he had experience with the advertising, just by putting ads out there, you're you're attracting people out of, like from the sticks. They didn't even have a LinkedIn profile, but they ha- they were in the exact same archetype that I was targeting. So from that, that I brought in a lot of these bootstrap SaaS guys that were working on some dentist software or whatever. And uh, now, I, to be honest, I wasn't sure how big the market was. I just put one foot in front of the other and and just kept selling and doing the delivery. Yeah. Okay. So here's a story you put up. I think this was yesterday. Um, you said, first few years is not about social media and marketing yourself. It's about getting fuck you results for a client. If you don't get fuck you results, you can't scale up with a consulting or high price agency offer because your marketing won't work. You will just be slaving away like a little slavey slave. My best students at the moment are savages who give zero, who get results and give zero fucks about marketing themselves. When I was scaling, my marketing for myself was just focused on jamming client results down people's throat. So, um, can you elaborate on that and just what, where you think a lot of like entrepreneurs are going wrong and why you think they're going wrong? Specifically for the make money guys. The make money guys being like beginner make money guys or. Internet, like the internet marketer guys, like aspiring internet marketers starting out. Okay, so where do they go wrong? They pro, they looked at social media. They're looking at social media too much, and um, I think that's that's a problem because when I was starting, I didn't even I was like an like an idiot at Insta. I still am an idiot at Instagram. I feel like like. I was not the, I didn't put the profile pictures up and like, you know what I mean? Like I, I wasn't, 
I wasn't really using it. I know that uh, like a lot of the girls were using it and some of the guys were using it, but it, this was in 2015, 16. I, I wasn't, I, wa I wasn't uh, using that stuff too much. So like I was trained the door to door. It was just sell it and do the job, sell it and do the job. So I was kind of blessed, I guess, because I, I didn't have all this, all the distractions around me. It wasn't until I didn't even know what game I was in until 2020, by the way. Like I was just ripping sales process IO. And then I would have like these online marketers being like, yeah, great job. And like, let me buy your stuff. And I'm like, all right. And then they would just rip it off. <laughs> and like, I'm like, bro, that's not what it's for. And so I didn't know the game. And I didn't, it, I didn't even know the, who was, the top and the levels to it. And I didn't really understand how it all worked. So, um, yeah, I was just kind of, I just heads down for three and a half years, just ripping sales and, and delivering client results. Like those are my, that was the only thing I was concerned about. So, and I knew that if you can make somebody money, then you're going to, you're You're, that's a good thing. Like it was very simple. So, that was uh that's what i was focusing on so where do guys go wrong i think there's a lot of like flexing out flexing on the internet and that is distracting that sometimes gets me too like some guys they they'll, they'll flex on the like even now still they're like flexing or they they say something and i'm like oh i feel like shit and like i get distracted <laughs> i get distracted so like I think that's like a big thing for guys. Um, it's just such, it's so hard. There's so many landmines. There's so many pretty girls on Instagram. There's so many great stories on YouTube. There's so much, like, it's so good. So I, when I started, I was just lucky enough that I didn't, I didn't have that. So if there's, and Sam was like that too. Sam actually gave me permission to be like a total, like socially, distant person before that i i kind of felt bad when i was just like decided against going out drinking or something like that sam was like yeah if your girlfriend's too high maintenance break up with her i was like okay like he didn't answer his phone i would ask him if he wanted to go to dinner he'd tell me to fuck off i'd be like okay like that's so i i learned some of that stuff from sam and how do you how to sustain it so I think where guys go wrong, they they're looking at like smoke screens for marketing. So for example, like the watches, the I don't want to offend anybody here, but some of that, like the Rolls Royce is like, okay, call it the Andrew Tate model of marketing. Okay. That stuff just cuts through the noise like crazy. I did the Lamborghinis and stuff like that in my marketing too right like i did the but i i had the calculus as well so i kind of like mixed them but uh that stuff works a lot but you have to understand that that's marketing right like and so if you i think a lot of guys get caught up in it and actually believe it so i think that's a sand trap for some guys yeah yeah it's like they see it they see you doing it, but they don't realize that you were 
selling and doing for like eight years before you did that or more? There's a time and a place for that. Like this, a lot of you guys don't understand that. There's this, it's like theatrics, right? And in, in some cases you need those. So Andrew uh, Tate, he went on a crazy campaign with his marketing. Like one of the best, like it was like probably the best it was ever done. There was Ty Lopez, Sam did a big campaign, but then Ty did like a cold one. Uh, and then Tate did a cold campaign, which is insane. Um, so there's a time and a place for, for that, the theatric stuff. Um, but when you're starting, it's, you don't need, you don't need that. Yeah, you talk a lot about not about not copying others because you've been copied a lot. And so where do you think that true originality comes from? Where's it where has it come from for you? And where do you think other entrepreneurs can find originality and like grounded originality in their offer and in their work that actually works? For me, it was it was, I really cared about the result. They, that's where, it, it, uh, that's where a lot of the innovation comes from. You like, you actually have to really care about making the thing work. And that's where, yeah, that, that's where the original stuff comes from. So there was there wasn't a template for scaling the SaaS business when I was doing it. I just was like, screw it, I have to figure this out. And that was I can give credit to my first mentor who gave me that mindset. Like he was just like, do like get it done at all costs, like and just make it happen, like just make magic, and door to door. That's what he did. like. That's how we were trained. So I was like, okay, and I just applied that to um, the 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 first customer, and. So it was just really just refusing to, it was really tough constraints. The constraints for that first customer were, okay, you have to sell this thing for like $300 a month, but you need a cost to acquire a customer under $40. So those are like, that's tough to me. And like, I think he gave me the constraints just to be like, screw you. Like, see if you can do it, buddy. Like, this is no one. If you can do this, you're amazing. But like, I didn't, I didn't know that at the time, but I, I, I was like, okay, I have to get this done. So these were like unreasonable constraints. And, but there's, there's always, there's usually a way to, to solve it. So, um, yeah, that's where I think that, that's where I think that stuff comes from. So I'm going to quote you one more time here. You say, or you said, the old marketing and old strategies are just so old. We were just talking about that. Like watches, SaaS businesses, mansions, appointment setters, webinars, whatever. It's all pre-COVID bullshit. You guys, not even in post-COVID. You haven't even been brain hacked before. You don't even appreciate net zero houses. You think the Apple headset is for VR. Make 10K per month DM, make 100K per month DM. Can you elaborate a bit on that? You're obviously kind of like fucking with people a bit, but like, I love this, but like what so uh, we talked about the watches but you threw in some other stuff here like appoint what's wrong with appointment setters and webinars like what's what's your wh why is that considered pre-covid and what does that mean 
Okay, so so pre-COVID, like post-COVID, a lot of things changed. Like everything was, the cars were shuffled. Like uh, just go, like if you've been on planet Earth for the last couple of years, right? Like there's been a lot of change. So most things have changed in in uh, in business. So if you're doing like pre-COVID strategies, like the webinars, like the long the 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 traditional type webinars hosted on a landing page, that's pre-COVID. It's not working anymore. Everybody's in front of a computer for the last two three years. They've been learning internet marketing. The, there's been millions and millions of people getting into the space. They're all watching the same stuff. They're all doing the same thing. So that stuff doesn't work anymore. Um, yeah, the typical the appointment setters model doesn't really work anymore. The offers that they're selling, they don't even exist. Like there's no need for them anymore. So it's just like there's there's been such a jolt to the economy, the system, the, the people's to people that there's all this new behavior i'm calling it post covid like a post covid post covid business like that the gut cleanse thing all of a sudden people are talking about ice baths and gut cleanses and peptides and uh climate change and like there's been just a, a big shift right so um it's kind of like the there was a you mentioned the half life, or sorry, the what do you call it? Like the two to three year half life of these strategies. So it's like those those strategies prior, you know, the appointment setters, the webinar landing page, like that stuff's kind of. It's been two two three years. It's still somewhat effective, but it's not this lucrative. It's not going to give you lucrative results, and that's why. I'm, I love what you talk about with growth growth consulting because it is innovative. Like it's the first time, I mean, I'm more than anyone on my laptop seeing all these different offers and like, yeah, it's just boring. And I see what you talk about. And I'm just like, fuck, like I want to do this. <laughs> like that, that's just because it's new, you know, and, and you can tell it's grounded. So, so how, how does someone become a growth consultant? So, they need to pick up a, a post-COVID industry, okay? So it's har- it's harder, uh, it's easier said than done, actually, because um, some of these industries, like, you don't really know that they're a uh, thing. There's a lot of guys building right now. They're not doing a lot of the marketing, so a lot of the opportunities are not online yet. It's a lot of, like, word of mouth. So you want to find a good industry, or a good um, uh, opportunity, and then you have to solve the you have to solve it really well. Like you solve acquisition really well. So, um, in that, I can't really teach that, right? Like I can give some guidance on like the copywriting front because a lot of it's copywriting, but how to actually exploit a, a, a hack, right? Some of that stuff is not te- it's not teachable it's up to you to figure that out and then once you once you solve that then you can scale it up and sell it to a bunch of like if you want to make millions of dollars that's what you do and there's guys that are doing it that like the, the case studies that you were talking about they solved this hack and then they they scaled it up so um yeah as far as the make money it, like anyone who sales and marketing inclined 
that's the best route. I there's a guy that made uh, in two years he made seven million bucks selling um, like COVID kits or something like to the government, and he figured out how to sell these types of deals to the government pretty quickly. So he made seven million off his first case study, and then. He now has a consulting business on teaching companies how to sell into the government. So that's that's an, uh, an example. So how does one get started? You can get help. You can get the. That's what we're offering with my stuff. If you go to my Instagram. You can DM me. You can get, get on a call and and uh, and I can see if you're a good fit. So you got to find an industry, or if, better yet, if you already have. A case study that you're already killing it, and you want to scale it up into the millions. That's the best customer right now because I can help you do that pretty easily. But if you're just getting started, you want to find a a business that's emerging, and you work your ass off to get them results. That's that I think that's what other guys struggle with in this industry too. It's like they want to get to the the Lambos and the flexing as soon as possible, right? It doesn't work like that. Like, you got to dial in for a while to make sure that you can, uh, that you're getting the client results. Yeah. Yeah. So people can obviously, they have an opportunity to work with you directly. Um, let's say someone's listening and they're like, wow, I'm really interested in this. I want to make a lot of money. Um, I'm following, I'm taking notes on this. And they're like, you know, I, I like this, but I think I can do it on my own. Like, what what's the what's the barrier for someone that's just like, you know, I don't need to invest. Like, I, I need to, I, I think I can figure this out myself. So they probably, some guys can, right? Um, the thing is, is that they could be working in, a, in an industry or doing something and it's already been done. Right. Like I get a lot of like these guys and they'll message me like, Hey, I got a case study for like, I'm scaling a coaching business up or I'm scaling like this, this type of business up. And I'm just like, yeah, this is like the the third time I've heard this this week, but they're like all about it. And like, they're going to try it, but it's not going to work. So it's just having, getting some feedback on the, on the direction is really important, especially now. That's what Sam did to me when I got a call on, when I spoke to Sam years ago, I told him I have a SaaS thing. And he goes, no one did SaaS yet. And he's like, you get, you should do SaaS. And I just listened to him. I'm like, this guy's rich. I'm not. Let's, and I, I trusted him fully. So, so it, that's one, yeah, having the, uh, having the direction down. And then also to actually get the results, it's not just like knowing what to do. It's how to do it. Because there, there's a lot of steps involved. Like it comes down, there's a lot. Like your diet and when to hire who. Uh, uh, what happens when this happens? What happens when that happens? Like there's, there's a lot, right? So it's not impossible to figure it out on your own, but it's just if you want faster results, then. Yeah, I mean, I mean, put simply, like you're obviously a very highly intelligent guy with an extreme work ethic 99% of guys out there 
don't have that. They just don't have the level of of uh, drive that you do. And that's not, you know, an insult. It's just you have a certain capacity to take on work and you've been doing this for 12 hours plus a day. Not, I don't know if you've been doing this every day for like three or four years, but for many days, you've been doing a lot more than the average man. And so when someone does decide to work with you, let's say they go on Instagram right now, they look up at Nick Cosman, K-O-Z-M-I-N, and they see the the uh, hazmat suit in your profile picture and they DM you and they decide they want to work with you. What is it? What does the process look like? Yeah, I'll... Uh... I'll talk to them a little bit over chat, maybe get on a call and I'll see if they're a good fit too. I, I, I'm not bringing on guys that are like just not good fits or they're in, in it for the wrong reasons or whatever. So see if you're a good fit. And then if you are, and you're really motivated or you're, you 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 want to do it, then uh, talk about working with me. Who are some exa- uh, examples of guys that you've worked with recently that you got to a hundred K a month within three months within three. So one of the guys did 250,000 in just over a month. And that was, uh, and that was, was like a new, new offer. He had some experience before he had some case studies. Um, yeah, he did, uh, he did pretty well. And Another guy, the scaling wellness, Eric, this is, he's, I really like Eric because his case studies are so, it's really sound. It's an, it's actually a really good case study. He scaled a wellness brand up to $8 million um, fairly quickly. Um, Yeah, I've worked, so I worked with a lot of these internet marketers before too, with, from Sam Ovin's uh, mastermind like uh, another guy is Ryan Groth, Sales Transformation Group. He he came when he was at like 20 grand a month. He was selling to roofing companies. He had a, a marketing and sales hack for roofers. And I helped him scale it up to, uh, he got over to 200,000 a month in eight months or so. It was not like crazy in one month, but uh, he did really well. Um, yeah, some of these guys that, yeah, that have good case studies. Like you can, you can move really quickly. And you have plenty of case studies on your YouTube, Nick Cosman on YouTube, that people can look at if they're like, "How the fuck is this guy getting people to 100k in three months?" Because there's no one else that's making that promise and actually delivering. So if people want to just look at it, they can they can go find those case studies on your YouTube. It's real. It's not. This isn't. This isn't bullshit. Like. <laughs> It's sell and do, and then there's an interview. Yeah, it it requires that you have a case study already, though. I'll pre preface that, right? It's not like start from scratch with zero experience or case studies, and then get to a hundred thousand a month. Like you have to have had that something unique already, and then we just we scale yeah. it up really. So you take. And this is another thing we've talked about just as far as archetype goes, but I'm I'm imagining a lot of guys that are joining your thing. As you said, they have some prior experience with some sort of offer. Maybe they joined uh they they joined a Iman Gadji course, maybe they joined, you know, 
some other marketing program and they have some sort of agency and and this is almost like it's not like you're a total beginner this is like you've done a few things you probably know you've probably run some ads before you have a unique angle but you want to work your ass off and you want to get real money um so is that accurate would you say there's there's a lot of those kind of guys i think so yeah i'm starting to talk to them on instagram more a lot of a lot of guys that have had an agency in the past, they need help restructuring their offer, or they need help finding a new uh, vertical to go after, like a post-COVID vertical, right? Like I think everyone was kind of hanging on, thinking, "Oh, is this is it going to change? Is it going to go back to normal?" Right? It's like, no, it's not going back to normal. Like we, there's a new new stuff going on, so. Um, a lot of guys, they need help just finding that new path and they have some experience and uh, we can help point them in the right direction and help them get their first customer. Okay. I have a guy, his name's Marvin. He's like 20 years old. He's in the make money space, bright guy, a lot of energy. And he uh, he's he found a light uh, company that's good for, the light is good for your brain syndrome. It's good for neuro regenesis or something, right? So he's working with that company and it's going to take him some time to scale up. But that's an example of a post-COVID company, right? That market's going to get bigger. That that Those types of businesses are probably going to be, there's going to be more of them in the future. Like, you know what I mean? So an example of an industry that's just, uh, that's just sprouting. So what, uh, if you're just starting, you don't have your case study yet, then we can help you get a get that uh, first case study under your belt and find the right direction. Is it are, are the companies that GCs work for limited to B two B, or can you have like a a dating offer or, you know, uh, I mean, I guess you can have a. You mentioned the bone broth offer, right? So that would work as well. Is there anything a GC, any industry or type of business a GC can't help? No, I don't think it's, essentially it's, it's doing sales yeah. and marketing. And everyone needs that, of course. And are you helping your growth consultants use AI, chat GPT? Are they leveraging that in their system? I've seen some guys use it. I don't know how effective it is like I haven't seen somebody like knock it out of the park with with chat GPT yet. Um, I was talking to one of my really advanced clients about it and he he's actually using it. I think he's doing pretty well with it. Um, but that's just an example of a technology that you can that you that you can grab to to solve the to the marketing hack. Yeah. Just like in 2016, the ad platforms were kind of foreign to people, right? So I def I think there's an opportunity with some of these some of the AI for sure. I think so too. Okay, so um reach out to Nick on Instagram at Nick Cosman. And I wanna I wanna you're obviously you have a pretty lean operation, right? Like you don't have like twenty staff. You have you is there anyone else on your team right now, or are you the one that's really answering your DMs and and hopping on calls? I'm doing it. I'm. Like, I've had 
big teams and I like the, I like the lean nature of it. Yeah. So it's, I have a couple salespeople that are, they're helping. Um, but yeah, I think you can, that's another point. You can run this really lean. You don't need a big team to do this. And I think that's where things are going anyway, just because of the security. Like I, you wouldn't believe out of, I've had like 40 salespeople and 40 out of 40 got this, my original sales process IO stuff and started like basically doing competing offers. Right. So it's like, it's, uh, there's benefits to being solo. Right. So, uh, and, and using technology. So, um, yeah, at least for now, it's it's a very lean business. Um, and I think you guys, anyone who does a growth consulting business, you can keep it extremely lean. You don't need a massive team. I think that's definitely attractive to people knowing that they can they can grow so fast. And I think there's also this, there's a certain, I think the archetype of the guy that's listening to this, it's like, yeah, I want to do this, also understands that there could be another lockdown there could be a nuclear war. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that could that could happen. That the desire for the right guy to make a lot of money quickly and and lean. Um, and I don't mean to make this sound like get rich quick, but I mean um, th- this is a real vehicle that if you work hard and if you're ready to put in the hours and and ready to commit to Nick's teachings and also embrace the the uncertainty that comes with it as well. And you're going to have to, you know, innovate yourself. Um, I think this is a great vehicle and I wouldn't send people that have been following me for five plus years anywhere that I didn't think was a lucrative opportunity. So, um, so yeah, those are all the questions I have. I, uh, I hope this was inspiring for people and i hope it inspires you to message nick and and see if it's uh something that you can do if you're a good fit um nick is there any other closing thoughts that you had no well, i'm a fan of your content too by the way so i think uh, I, when i came across your stuff i um it was it was also different as well like the 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 uh, the youtube videos i was like it, it stuck out too so um yeah, I was excited when we started chatting. Um, yeah, if anyone comes by, just say that, uh, mention that you came from uh, Arlen's pod. So, yes, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's clear. But um, no, I think I appreciate it, man. This is this has been uh, fun. Of course. All right, thanks, Nick.